Boo. Yep. It's uh, almost Halloween time here at Missouri Funeral Directors and Embalmers Association. So welcome to our weekly, uh, more or less, webcast and podcast. Now, it is the day before Halloween, and we're doing that on purpose because just another reminder, as we talked about last week, Halloween, October 31st, that is the last day that you can get in your pre-need provider and pre-need seller license renewals and be within the statutory uh, requirements. And also, of course, if you're a pre-need seller, in addition to your annual license renewal, you need to get in your annual seller's report as well. So if for any reason you haven't done that yet, you need to do it right now uh, and make sure that it gets into the state board's office no later than tomorrow. Elsewise, there's the risk that they may say you have a gap in your license where you're not authorized to perform as a pre-need provider or pre-need seller. Again, another reminder for those pre-need agents out there, your license renewals are not due until the end of November. Got two things we want to cover here today. One is something uh, that's brand new that uh, had never, uh, no one had ever asked me about before, but uh, talking to some other people out there, it has happened to them a couple times in the past. Not very common, but uh It does happen sometimes, and so I want you to know about that. And another one is revisiting something I know I think we've talked about before, but it's been an interesting month where we've had a lot of questions going up about that. So first, as to the new item, and that has to do with an insurance assignment or an insurance policy. And the situation is this. You had a husband and a wife, and the husband had a life insurance policy that designated the wife as the beneficiary. Then they get divorced and the man then eventually died and the ex-wife assigned the life insurance policy that where she was the beneficiary to the funeral home to pay the funeral. The ex-wife was uh, stepping forward and saying, well, she was going to uh, cover the funeral costs by doing this life insurance policy assignment to cover that. Well, there's a potential real problem with that because Missouri law says that when you have spouses, husband, wife, uh, husband, husband, spouse, spouse, wife, wife, whatever, whatever it is, when you have two people that are legally married and one person has put a designation of a beneficiary and a life insurance policy to their spouse and then they get subsequently divorced and nothing else happens, there is no change in anything, that designation of beneficiary is automatically void. It's invalid. It doesn't count anymore. So if you have a situation where you had a husband and a wife, and the husband had a pre-existing insurance policy that they got while they were married, and while they were married, he made his wife the beneficiary, then they get divorced, and that's all that happens, and later on that man dies, the wife is no longer the beneficiary on that insurance policy. Therefore, she cannot assign that insurance policy fee benefit to the funeral home or to anyone else, but in our case, of course, the funeral home to cover the cost of that funeral. So watch out for that if that runs into you. Now, there are a couple exceptions to that. If that life insurance policy designation took place after the divorce, if the person is made the beneficiary after the divorce, well, that's okay. That's that's fine. 
Also, if the divorce decree specifically mentions that life insurance policy and it's directed in the divorce decree that that life insurance policy is to be maintained and that the spouse is to be maintained as the beneficiary of that, that's okay too. That still is valid. Also, if the life insurance policy was part of an ERISA plan, an ERISA plan, then there's a chance that that is still valid as well due to a United States Supreme Court decision dealing with not a Missouri law, but a different state that had an identical law. So what happens to that insurance policy? Well, if the insurance policy had a contingent beneficiary, it would go to that person instead of the main beneficiary. If there was no other beneficiary, and now it's going to get a little complicated for the family, they may have to open up an estate to get that life insurance proceeds and that situation. And if you're going to get paid from that life insurance policy, that may have to go through those steps as well. So once again, if an ex-spouse comes in wanting to assign a life insurance policy to cover the cost of a funeral of their former spouse, you're going to need to do some checking into it to see if they even can do that. Because if that life insurance policy was taken out during the marriage, it's not mentioned in the divorce decree, and it's not an ERISA plan, there's a very good chance that that person is actually not the beneficiary anymore of that life insurance policy, so they cannot assign it. So watch out for that. The other one, uh, this is kind of a sad one uh, in a way, because, but it sure got a lot of questions on it this month, and it had to do with fetuses, uh, so, uh, stillborn fetus, and the mother or the parents wanted to do some sort of disposition of that. This is an interesting situation uh, because there's actually a couple different laws on dealing with this and they don't really match up well together. There's a very old law and then there's a more recent one. And I think everyone agrees when you don't talk about statutory construction, when you have two laws that don't quite match up, the safest thing to do is to go with the more recent one. That's more likely what the courts would do. The more recent law says that the mother of a fetus, no, how, no matter how long that fetus existed, the mother of that fetus has the right to do a final disposition that that fetus in any way that is authorized by law or is uh, permitted by the uh, director of the Department of Health and Senior Services. So that indicates that the mother then has the right to do a final disposition of a fetus, the same as they would, for example, a two-month-old child that passed away. So it's the mother that has the right to do that. There are, of course, complications with that as well, because very often cremation is, is what uh, the final disposition is in many insta instances in that case. And the law says before you can do a cremation, you need to have a death certificate. Well, there's not going to be a death certificate if it was truly a, a fetal death because the baby was never born. It was never alive. So that's one thing. If, if you have a family that's coming into you and has this kind of a tragic situation, um, it's very possible that they're not 100 percent certain, particularly if it was very late. You know, was the baby born and then died or was the baby died and then born um, uh, to use phrases uh, that are not quite accurate, but that gets you the idea. One thing to check is uh, check with the hospital and check with everyone, see if there was a birth certificate, okay? 
uh, because if there was a birth certificate, well, then there's going to need to be a death certificate and you proceed that way. If there was no birth certificate and it was after 20 weeks or 350 grams, the hospital should be doing a fetal infant death report. And if you can get a copy of that fetal infant death report, it looks just kind of like a death certificate, but it's not a death certificate. It's a fetal infant death report. You can get that. If the fetus was under 20 weeks or 350 grams, the hospital doesn't have to do anything. There is no required reporting. So the best you can do in that is to get a very clear written instructions from the mother and have her fill out then a, a cremation authorization form uh, that authorizes all this and keep records of all of that. That's about the best you can do in that situation. Uh, obviously, if it's, a, if it's a burial, that makes it a little easier because the you don't need to have a death certificate prior to burying someone. There are many other complications that can theoretically pop up with this. And that is because how just a little brief, a little quick lesson on how sometimes laws are written. Sometimes laws are written because somebody was being a jerk to somebody out in the real world and they were a jerk to the wrong person. And that's kind of what uh, sort of happened in this regard, uh, talking with people over the Capitol. There were some hospitals that were just frankly being jerks to families. And when families had a uh, stillborn or a uh, fetal infant death, um, they were just saying, sorry, we, we take care of that. We, we dispose of them the way we want to. You can't do anything about it. Uh, you know, here's the bill. Go home. And I guess they were and some of them were apparently very not very good bedside manners towards families on this issue. And they one hospital apparently did it to the wrong person at one time. And so this bill then got passed. Uh, a number of years ago now that gave the mother the right to handle uh, the final disposition of a fetus. No, lang no matter how long along in the pregnancy that fetal death took place. Doesn't matter how long the mother still has the right to do that, but they passed that and they didn't bother to really cross reference all the other statutes that deal with final disposition to clear up these questions about what do you do with cremation? What do you do with this? What do you do with that? So uh, again, if you get one of those and you, you need me to walk you through the statutes, uh, please uh, feel free to give me a call. The, uh, the older statute uh, actually said, and this is a strange one, uh, and it, it, said, it uses the word stillborn uh, as opposed to uh, fetal death, but it says either the mother or the father can on their own determine the final disposition. So arguably under that old statute, the father could handle the final disposition without even consulting the mother. Uh, that, that's going to cause problems. Uh, but again, that's an older one. And the more recent one is the one that gives the mother the right to handle that final disposition. So anyway, uh, those are the two tidbits for today. Again, I hope you all have a safe and happy Halloween if you celebrate that and you or your neighborhood. I know we have a lot of kids come by our neighborhood every year and uh, we hand out a lot of candy. So, uh, but be sure to be safe. If you're taking kids out there, make sure you got reflective things on, you got flashlights going. Uh, I don't know what the weather's going to be in your area. I think it's going to be rainy and cold here and that makes it even more dangerous. So you got to watch out for all of that. So until next week, have a wonderful week. Again, a safe and happy one because we always, until next time, want you to stay safe.